This is Making Light. Julie Hurt and Kate Fogger are soul-level intuitives and animal communicators. This show is about us sharing our experiences in the hope it will help others along their path. So let's go make some light. Hi everybody, I'm Kate Fogger, this is Julie Hurt, and as always we are making light to humans beings. To humans being. I don't know why I can't get that, but anyway, it's always... Um, it's a good start, though, for not good enough, isn't it, getting stuff wrong? Yeah. So today, of course, we are talking about bravery. And I think, well, we'll see where it goes, but it's bravery in the context of not good enough, which um, is yet another of my favourite um, negative beliefs. It's very strong. Well, they're all strong, aren't they? But not good enough is probably one of my more obvious ones. It was probably one of the first ones to show its cheeky little head once I started examining myself. So Julie, you were talking about um, something that came up when we talked about lost pets. And I think that's an interesting subject in itself, irrespective of how this ties in. So I would be, um, I would be interested to pursue that and then we can see where we go from there. Yeah. So I was thinking, well, I was thinking, well, we were doing like parallel conversations thinking about how to start this conversation with bravery as a workaround, positive or negative, positive and negative will allow both um, for that negative belief of not good enough. And I'm just, I still have this little cough from my cold. So if I start to cough, you know why, <laughs> like right there. Um, and at the same time, we were discussing lost pets because we are, we are, part of a network that if one of our colleagues has a net lost pet case they can tap we can tap into this network and get help and Kate and I were both talking about how we actually prefer not to take lost pet cases um because they are really really hard and I don't think people most people maybe don't quite understand why that's so hard there's the the two hardest things for me as a animal communicator are talking with my own animal because I'm so emotionally connected to Lucas that it's hard for me to not to when I hear something different or to believe or to, I want something so much more like health in particular health right because I want longevity as much as I can possibly get right and um so there's that and then the other thing that's really hard is working on a lost pet because one, the human involved is extremely emotional, wants to find their animal. The different aspects of myself, I want to help people. I'm a caregiver soul type from an Ainsley McLeod reference. Um, and so I want to make things better for people at all times, at all, almost to some degree at all costs, including myself. And so I will try really hard to get, and I get in there and then I overextend myself. And also, lost pets there is an attachment to the outcome we want the pet to come home we want the pet to be safe we want the pet to come home we want them to come home now and all this and that none of that none of that is possible because we're not in control we can't tell we can't tell an animal to change their behavior in a regular soul level animal communication reading you know we're just trying to understand why and the same is true for when they're lost and so having that so, so knowing that it's really hard to be involved. And so 
um, we Kate and I were talking earlier about this network and perhaps because what happens is we get a message and then it's hard for me to see that message and let it sit there and wait for someone who is more comfortable doing. There are some of us who are more comfortable doing lost pets um, and waiting for someone else who is comfortable to do that to pick up that thread. It's real for me personally, it's really hard to sit and wait for that response. And so I find myself putting my hat in that ring in an effort to just, okay, let's move at least let's do something, right? And then I like, I don't know why I'm doing this. Hmm? Workaround is that Julie? I know. So that's the workaround of I know that I am, I don't feel good enough to do this work. So I put myself, this is the bravery part. And this is where I was thinking about the parallels of them because for me too, I'm not, I don't, my overarching belief, negative belief is not good enough. So I use bravery to push, to push myself through. So if I don't feel good enough in the lost pet arena, because it just makes me feel so uncomfortable because I don't have, I, you know, I'm working through that attaching to the outcome, all of this type of stuff. So if I know that I don't feel good enough about working on a lost pet, I use bravery as, like I said, a means to push through. So I just push myself for all those other reasons, the caregiver soul, whatever, bravery pushes me through. And I just put my hand in the ring. And then the other, but I was also thinking that maybe we need to use bravery for, you know, what I was thinking is maybe I need to use bravery as a way to really take a step back and bravely examine why do I not feel good enough for lost pets or any place else that not good enough raises its head and bravery is the force that I use to push myself through, even if I don't feel good enough. And sometimes it's okay. But here's my perspective, which is interesting because it just shows how, although we're very similar in a lot of ways, we there are, you know, sorry, I'm putting the cream on my arms. I don't know if you can see me doing it, but just um for me, the more obvious, and obviously it's only obvious to me because it's through my lens, first workaround is why can't you sit and let that message be? Never mind that I don't feel yeah. good enough to do that. Because that's the one that actually I have managed to do it with this one. And then we can describe why in this situation. But that to me is the more, for me, the more compelling workaround, because that's the one that makes you really uncomfortable. Because if you, you know, why mm -hmm. can't let that request hang out there in cyberspace? Now, we both understand why you can't, because we have both, as we were discussing, the the reason and it's silly because we use all these rules in order to alleviate our own <laughs> discomfort but the original understanding of the group was a way to say I am managing a lost pet I I am managing the human because that's a bit that neither you nor I want to do look I'm okay connecting with a lost pet I'm all right with that I cannot and I, I noticed this not through a lost pet case but it was actually in a case where the animal was dying um that I, when I was connected to the animal, I was fine. And as soon as I went back to speak to the human, I could feel their 
their grief and their sorrow and that that i found really difficult to manage when you connect back to the animal you're fine again because the animal is not experiencing as the human is and that's just, and that made me realize that i'm fine with the animal the the grief the turmoil the emotion all comes from the human and it's me buying into that as well it's not just them there is obviously that wave of, of very for me palpable emotion that you get but also my sensitivity as a human being oh my god what are they going through i know i've lost a pet you know i know what it's like and to be honest when privy was run over the the biggest thing i hung on to is i have a body i know what happened because had she just disappeared when does that pain ever end when do those questions stop so there's all of that story which is why I don't want to be front man. I'm quite happy to help. And our understanding of the rules, rules that make us safe of the um, group was that, that somebody who was fronting it would get help from everybody else in the background. It now seems to have evolved with new people of them coming along and going, boop, here's a lost pet, somebody deal with it. And then you and I let her go, but who's managing the human? Has anybody told the human that maybe nobody here can do it? Nobody's taken ownership of that. Oh my God, has someone's been promised a result? All of that. And that to me is a more poignant workaround. And that's interesting because is that bravery? There's definitely the bravery. See, there's bravery and even letting that go as well. I know. I realize that as you're talking about that. Yeah. Because I'm actually okay with it because I didn't, I didn't, um, there are enough people on that group that I don't feel responsible because I was a late comer. That's partly it. Again, stupid rules. Nobody ever discussed them. But, you know, but I still feel it, as you say, but I just don't look. I see it and then I just gloss over it because I have in the past jumped in and helped. And sometimes it's interesting. But uh, again, it's interesting that you say not good enough. But it is, it's this attachment outcome. It Because... But I think it's the emotional side of it. I mean, if you get stuff wrong in a reading, wrong, it's never wrong. But, you know, if it if it doesn't make sense or, you know, quite often, as we both know, these things actually do make sense. They just maybe are a bit more subtle or there's a timing involved that wasn't clear or or we've interpreted it slightly, you know, we've, we've coloured it somewhat, you know. But with this, especially like because really what they all want to know is, are they alive? Are they going to come home? If you get that wrong, <laughs> you know, it's like it—it it just feels like too much of a responsibility. Because if you go, no, I'm sorry, your cat died, and then they showed up, you'd hope they'd be grateful, but they might not be very happy if they bought a Rottweiler in the meantime. Um, and and also, you don't have any control over what the pet chooses to tell you. Because I mean, there's some, I suppose, psychic data in that we'd—you'd say we'd be pulling it from the field about whether that animal's alive or not. But if that mm -hmm. animal, do animals lie? I don't know. They may mislead you or. No. And this is also, so I've, I've had, this is another reason why that not good enough gets triggered with in me in lost pets. And then why I keep pulling out the bravery to just try it. Someone contacted me about a missing cat. And I don't think the cat was necessarily like a, a domestic cat. It was feral. Um, and it hadn't come around for quite some time. I can't, I mean, I might get the details wrong and that doesn't matter. Um, the, the cat clearly showed me and said they were in spirit. 
So there's a couple ways that for me, the animals will show me that they're in spirit. One is how my, they show me in how my body feels, but this, and this one showed me in my body, the in spirit signs. Then they said the word I'm in, well, they answered the question. I am in spirit. I heard them say, and then they showed me the words in hyphen spirit. So I had three Claire's working saying to me, they were in spirit. And I, I, I was like, I was worried to say it out loud, right? Claire's, oh, clairvoyance, clairaudience, claircognizance. Sentient? I don't know. What's the feeling? I thought claircognizance was knowing. Yeah, it is. I thought that's what you yeah. yeah. What's the feeling? I don't know. Is it sentient? I don't know. I don't know. Claire, whatever the clairs are. So anyway, the, so anyway, so I shared all that. I mean, I, I got that from the animal. I actually double checked with the animal and then I triple checked with the animal because it just to deliver that is hard, right? So I ended up delivering the information and then even the cat then began to show me like all these scenes about what happened and where, you know, and gave me even a sense, like I had a Google map up, like gave me a sense of what direction, all this. And I totally trust the animal. And then, so I deliver all this. <clears throat> humans grief stricken a reading went three times as long as it should and I allowed it to just in an effort for Julie the human to console the other human right and then three days later the cat appears <laughs> and shows up and it's just like oh darn it I mean it's just like well yay the cat's alive too but they may were really angry with me the human was and I can't help this is why lost pets are so hard because I can't help that a cat in particular, that when I was talking with other colleagues of ours, were telling me that cats continually can cross that veil. They can, because of how they, they're, I, they just operate at a different level, cats do. And I don't know enough about cats because I've only had dogs in my life, um, but cats can operate at this this different level and there's reasons why and so they were telling me and I'm like okay well all that made sense as to what I was seeing and feeling and all of that with the cat it's just the um of course the uh feedback that I received from a couple of humans that were involved in this was just like so it was hard to, I it was hard to read because it was it became about me as a person instead of a, something I was trying to help with um that's of a realm outside of normal humanness at this point in time which is part of what we're working on so yeah so there was a bravery moment even in that too um where it's like okay I see your feedback thank you so much for taking the time to write it I really appreciate it I'm very glad to hear that the cat has made it home thank you so much and even refunding the money and then letting it, okay, thank you. And while the emails continued to come in, the conversation wasn't necessarily let go of on their end. I allowed it to go. That was really hard. That was, that was brave. That was me being, oh God, just triggering my not good enough. And yet I do trust that animal. I trust that cat. I know what that cat shared with me. And I realize that it doesn't necessarily chive. I don't know why, but to be brave in that, not knowing, not understanding, there's something there too to help again, with that. 
yeah. all the anger there and all the disappointment and all that emotion it's all on the human side you know yeah um, and that and that's what we're so afraid of with lost lost cats I and mean, it's hard enough you know it's probably the most difficult reading you can do because even if an animal is ready to transition you know I thought I would find it very difficult to tell somebody but actually it wasn't again because the animal's there and yeah. you know, in a way you can't get that wrong because it's sort of like if you have to ask it's probably time mm -hmm. you know and people sort of know but they just want that reassurance and and in a way in the asking you know if you say yes it's time for them to go and they don't feel the animal's ready to go they then know they're not ready it's like it doesn't your answer in a way doesn't matter it'll either reinforce what they want to do or they will say okay I appreciate they need to go but I need to hold on to them a bit longer and it clarifies it for them that's actually never happened every time I told somebody an animal needs to go they literally burst into tears and said I know and I just didn't they're scared of doing it too soon yeah you know so yeah. I get that too. that's usually the, that's the I I do actually love the readings where the animal is transitioning for those very reasons because you're right the human in the situation already on some level knows that it's time and they're just asking for that validation that connecting with the animal provides and the animals are just so beautiful I mean they're beautiful all the time when they're entering that transition phase which I've had animals transition for a year I've had animals transition you know quickly it's it's up to them and what they're still working with their human on too um it's the whole process is just is really beautiful it's actually helped me not be so afraid yeah. of my own transition or even like as I'm watching my parents age you know yeah. and knowing that my grandmother's still here or our friend Kelly and Kurt Kellyanne that you know left us too way too soon in my humble opinion Kelly um <laughs> but um you know they're still here too even though they're in spirit so yeah, yeah it's I, helped. I, I don't think I'm maybe I'm in denial I don't think I've ever been afraid of my death but I afraid of the death of my animals and actually I am not anymore because I can even with Nyla although it was really hard to connect with my little hen um when she first got that infection that wouldn't clear up and you had said it's not going to happen for a while it like it, it just really yeah and then then when I looked at her and I was like it's time and as soon as I connected to her she was like yes whereas before that it was like I'm fine leave me alone I'm fine I'm fine I'm fine and the thing is, you realize that on some level, you're picking it up all the time. You're picking it up in the way they move. You're picking it up in the body language. You're picking it up in the way they look at you. You sort of know all the time. And the minute she looked defeated, I was like, it's time. And she was like, yeah, it's time. Yeah. You know, that reminds me too. So I've realized um, over this last month, and, and you've helped me get through this too, but I've just, I was noticing Lucas's energy. So he's seven, my dog. Right. And I've been noticing that his energy has been was just ain't waning. He just didn't feel as vibrant. And he's only, in my opinion, he's only seven. Like there's so much more. And he was also extremely gassy. I just did. I'm like, something's off. I know something's off on his body and I know it's the food. And so, you know, you you did a reading on him and you helped release some things with you use body code and whatnot. And you helped release some things and we talked through and then. I also talked with 
<clears throat> another um, colleague of ours who's been on this show, Karen Dendy Smith, and she was suggesting, you know, it is time to switch him more to raw. I was supplementing with raw instead of making it the predominant meal and then making his own meal, but cooked and it wasn't enough for him. And so I have switched, made that change, sw since made that switch and his, I can, I mean, within two days of moving far more raw than cooked, um, he's bouncy, his, the gassiness is gone, the vital, I can just feel his exuberance, but that, and, but the, for me, the bravery comes into play because as I was checking in with you and then just talk, chatting with Karen, and then starting to make the switch, I was having animal communication readings with other with clients, many new clients whose animals, like the main lesson that they were teaching their human is don't settle for anything less. The finest quality for you is what we're talking about. And they were also talking about it for themselves, the animal, but those, you know, these little threads are also messages for us. So I was getting reinforced with all the clients that I was getting that, oh my goodness, the finest quality, because then I had to run the gauntlet, if you will, with my husband who's like, why are we spending this much money on food? And I'm like, well, because it'll help with vet bills. Plus it'll extend his life, you know, <laughs> no attachment to the outcome, but let's hope. And um, anyway, so I've had to run that gauntlet because that used to, with my not good enough, shut me down. But to be brave and go, no, I know this is the right thing for him. And then ultimately for me to feed him what he needs. And I was reinforced everywhere. So there's that aspect of it too. The yeah. amount of research, because I started raw feeding Sally. Um, I mean, things have changed a lot in the last, I think it's been 10 years, must be 10, 12 years since I started. When I started doing it, nobody did it. And oh my God, people were so hostile about it. Mm -hmm. Like I got attacked in a pet shop by this woman that went fucking crazy at me when I asked her if she had bone meal because I was trying to try and do it myself. And for years I tried to um, like buy stuff. I mean, because it's available now. I mean, there's, there's still a compromise. I have recently moved Sally onto stuff that's made by someone else. Um, it's still a compromise because it's minced and they don't need it minced. <laughs> I'll let you sneeze. They don't need it minced. They should be actually eating the bones, um, but it's hard to get that for a cat, not so much for a dog. Um, but anyway, it's sort of like, you know, I worked it all out again. It's like, because doing it myself obviously was cheaper, but actually when you realize it's A, it's not that cheaper and B, you realize all it takes is one fucking vet bill and that's a year's supply of food. You know, you're really, you're really picking the wrong fights if you like. It's like, you mm -hmm. don't I just know I've read so many stories and all these especially because in the um it's become mainstream now but you know there used to be these sites where people would write about all the animals that, that have been ill dying whatever terrible digestive problems and all of that and how they change when they switch to raw and that and I mean you don't see as you do see bits of it but it's become a lot more sleek and market driven rather than these were stories of people that Anyway, yeah, but yes, it is. It's bravery of going, I know this is right. And I actually just, I'm just going to, I'm just going to stick with this. It's, mm -hmm. it's hard because, well, it's not, there's a lot of it. There's not worthy in there as well. 
not good oh, totally made the wrong decision that's the not good enough is what if I've made the wrong decision what if I'm making all this stuff up what if this isn't true what if what if yeah what if I'm making it up that's a not good enough thing and they're not worthy of well you know can't really afford it and it's Mm -hmm. yeah yeah like that's not you know to be when the not good enough is kicking in and there's you know there's a there's a choice to some degree well, it depends on on what you're working on and, and who you are, right? Because everything is different for everybody. For what I'm seeing is like for not good enough, when bravery wants to step in or is an option to step in to stay true to what I want, to stay true in what I need, to believe in what I need and what I want are actually fine. And if somebody has an issue with it, that's not my issue to resolve. That's theirs. It makes me feel better. It makes me feel good to feed him what I'm feeding him. And I, you know, I've even been exploring other things, but right now I'm feeling good and I'm getting that feedback that in trusting myself, in trusting him in that feedback, we're actually doing the right thing and we're on the right path. But it's that it's looking at not great, not good enough through that lens of, wait, I feel like I need something. There's something here brave that's going to, you know, I'm being, feeling I have to push myself to be a little bit braver in that regard. That's helping me grow. Yeah, bravery is an odd one, isn't it? Because um, in a lot of ways, I think bravery is misunderstood. It'd be interesting. We should have a definition of bravery because, um, you know, we we think of bravery as people going into war or stepping into action in crises and that and actually I don't know if that is bravery because I think that's almost instinctive certainly in crisis yeah with things um whereas bravery is almost like little things that happen all the time where you just go actually you know I'm I'm gonna do it this way or or standing up for how you feel or um I don't know just trusting yourself it takes a lot of bravery just to trust Mm -hmm. yourself Mm mm-hmm I just looked up bravery on my dictionary app on my phone and under the adjective it says possessing or exhibiting courage or courageous endurance one two making a fine appearance and we could break down fine and then appearance making a fine appearance and as I read that out loud what I'm hearing from my guides is making a fine appearance, how I would define that for myself. I don't understand that. Making a fine appearance or showing up for myself? Making a fine appearance. I I read that as making an appearance that is integrity driven. That's how I read it. I mean, we'd have, you can define fine a number of ways, I'm guessing. Dictionary. It's just the dictionary app. It's just the dictionary app. Bavaria, too brave. Mm, I don't know. It's just, um, it's not the urban dictionary. Ugh, I hate it. I hate ads and apps. Hmm? Dictionary.com. Making a fine appearance. Making a fine appearance. So fine in US English would be um 
like putting on a brave face. Like if you put a fine appearance in that regard would be like possibly doing something you don't want to do or doing something you don't need to do or doing, you know, like I really don't want to go to that party, but I'm going to put on a fine appearance. Oh, so everything looks fine on the outside. The way that guides, huh? Would you consider that bravery? I think that's the opposite of bravery. Bravery would be saying, I don't want to go to this party. No, I agree with you. I think the way that society defines it would be you put on a brave face and even though you're dying inside, you still go to the party. Like that's how the Western culture is. I think our version of it would, for me, that's why I was like, when I first read it, they were saying, you need to take a look at fine. And so I was saying for me to make a fine appearance would be for me in this situation with Lucas and the food is showing up and saying, no, this is exactly what I need to do for him. Stop yelling at me. (laughs) Stop giving me crap about it. (laughs) I find in these situations, it's better just not to tell Gary how much I spend on things like that, because I know so I, I've learned that like I go, I share things with him because I want his support and his permission and his approval and his thanks. And instead he gives me more doubt. And it's like, I'm like, I don't need this doubt. Why do I ask him? I know it's the right thing to do. I know it's the right thing to do. Of course it's the right thing to do. We both know things like that. It's like once you learn about um, what animals eat and how they should be eating and things like that, it's so obvious that they should be eating the food that they were designed to eat, you know, and you suddenly, again, makes me really angry that, you know, all the food manufacturers, including pet manufacturers and even vets, all the vets are seduced. That's not the right word. Well, they are. They're they're told all this shite. Many. I don't want to say all vets because I know some really good ones, but many vets are really good vets. But they still know fuck all about nutrition. Probably more now than there were. Um, yeah, because it's a lot more common now. But it's like everybody's talking about this as this is this 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 is some amazing new thing. You're like, it's fucking common sense. Mm -hmm. If you feed your dog pizza, it's obviously not, you know, (laughs) what's the difference? Like you just oh see oh no no we'll go down yeah. a rabbit hole of annoying man you know food manufacturers and greed and everything so so then to kind of switch the topic so from a great so from a not good enough perspective and bravery like what comes up for you well I, I did think of something didn't I and then it went well it's like completely different mm-hmm. is it I don't know if we'll tie them together. Let's see. So I went to, um, I had a day out, completely overcommitted myself on Saturday. There was uh, one of a friend of mine that I swim with. Um, she does a craft fair every year in their village. She does, she does amazing crafts herself. She, she, she's one of these people who just does bah, bah, so much stuff and she the beautiful flower arranging and stuff like that. And um, I've also got other friends that live in this village, some that swim and some others. And, and I went last year and it was great. So I thought, well, I'll go there. And then as I was searching for the detail, I found that there was another handmade craft fair in Kuras, which is another little village about, so it's about 20 minutes to Kuras, 20 minutes to Lime Kilns, and then to half an hour back, something like that. And I thought, well, I'll go to both. Woo! 
so I had asked a friend a couple of friends if they wanted to come with me who live sort of my area I was just like look it'd be nice to catch up just let me know that I'm going here because they know the swimming people as well it's like you know if you want to come and one of them couldn't the other one was a maybe and then something else happened and then one of the ladies who actually lives in Lyme Kilns has got a most beautiful puppy that you've ever seen in your life and of course I haven't seen her for a few weeks because she's been looking after the puppy and I was like well I'll pop in and she couldn't go to the craft fair because I didn't allow dogs in so then suddenly I realized I actually don't know what I'm doing and then of course I realized and then I got a reading I thought I'd blocked my diary out I got a reading and the one thing I had forgotten about which was of course when I was supposed to be at the airport picking up Gary so I was like <laughs> it was um anyway it all and I, and I had to take the chickens to the vet first thing in the morning so it, it like anyway it all worked out beautifully but what occurred to me as I went to the um first craft fair which was in Curious, is um I don't know how to say this without and not being mean in any way shape or form but that I, I would be very I think a lot of things hold me back not that I've actually done it I would love to do more crafting but a, a lot of things would hold me back crafting because if I'm not good at something Right. I want to be really good at things. I don't like doing a half-assed job. I don't mind if what I do is completely different or that other people don't like it. I actually don't care what other people think. I have to like it. I genuinely feel like that. Like I produce stuff and people go, oh, it's great. And I think it's not, it's shit. And it doesn't matter how much other people love it. If it's not to my taste or not how I want it done or not how I envisaged it, or, you know, I'll come around to some things, even if they're not. I've made lots of things like the headboard of the uh, in the shed it doesn't look how I expected, but I like it. You know, it was a disappointment in that sense because I really liked what I wanted to create, but it's become a thing in its own right and I'm proud of it. Things like that. So I'm not, anyway. What I noticed when I was there is that there, don't, don't get me wrong, there were some people that are amazingly skilled. There was actually quite a lot of stuff that was not what I would consider top, like, like top quality. As in, I would not have been happy to produce them. But it made me realise that there is A, a bit of charm in that. B, it's just my opinion. And C, what occurred to me when I thought that is, and I haven't done this, but I can see that it would be one of the things that held me back if I did crafting is, was it, would it be good enough? Is actually, and there's your bravery, these people have made stuff, they think, you know, and they and they just go fuck it and they just take it to market and well, not market, but you know, it's it's a friendly crowd. But you know, you go, here's what I've done. There's there's huge bravery in that. Whereas I would be sitting in the corner waiting to create some masterpiece that somebody might appreciate, when actually, you know, those are my perceptions of how good something should be or what it should look like. And like, yeah, we're all different. I've seen things that and this is a judgment that I probably need to look at. I see things that may be beautifully made and I can appreciate the beautifully made, but they're just not to my taste. It's things like that. Um, and to me, the criteria is it has to be beautifully made. You know, just things like that. And I was thinking, actually, these, there are people who just craft because they love doing it and then they just take it and they show it to people. And I mean, I see so much stuff that is jaw dropping. So it's actually quite nice to see stuff that was a bit, homemade she said in an enormously patronizing way um but and uh, just for the record in case any of my friends watches this was at Kuros, not at lime kilns because i know a lot of people in lime kilns just 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 to be clear um and not all of it by any means some of it was absolutely jaw-dropping again but i it did think that is that we we're afraid to share our talents because we think they're not good enough mm. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think there's a message in there for me. I don't know what it is because I haven't. I, I'm not crafting, but I think there is a message in there for all of us. So we're, they say that about business in general, don't they? That a lot of businesses fail because people don't just go with what they've got. Like it can mm-hmm. never be good enough. There's always more you can do. Yeah. Well, and even go with what you think, what you believe and feel is right. Yeah. So the, the chair, for those of you who are watching this video, the chair that you're sitting in, you actually created the upholstery, right? Yeah. I haven't got, I can't see myself. So Yeah. I have, I have a lot of these. Um, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Actually, um, but you see you're not crafty. But you created that and you did the headboard. Like you did things. I wouldn't do any of that stuff. <laughs> I, when I say I'm not crafty, so here's a, uh, this will not show me in a good light at all, but if we're being honest, which we always are. Um, so there is this program that comes on every Christmas called Kirsty's Handmade Christmas. Gag calls it Kirsty's fucking middle class Christmas, which it is, of course, terribly middle class. Um, and really annoying like that but I really like Kirsty and but I used to get really resentful I'd think oh there must be rich people like who are these people who can just give up their fucking jobs and craft all day and and I realize actually a lot of them actually do have jobs or you know and the really good ones are people that you know if you find something this is what we know if you find something you love it will take care of itself. And that's what happens. A lot of these people actually just start it as a hobby and enjoy it so much and, and then find that actually there is an avenue by which they can make a living at it. Not a huge, you know, that sort of thing. But the key is to find something that you love doing. So I, when I would say I'm not crafty, it's more of mealy mad or oh, no fucking time. I would love to be crafty. I would love to just, that was the intention originally of having this room before, the guest has to we just I just wanted a room where I could have loads and loads of stuff lying around and and try my hand at things mm-hmm. should do more of it actually because it's most enjoyable I, I still am not understanding why you don't think you're crafty because I don't really do much so I did the chairs is that crafty? so okay yeah I've got eight chairs upstairs that I did in these nine chairs in this one well, I had to, since when we moved into this massive house, I realized that our stupid little four-person table looked like a doll's house table in our house. We had to buy a big table. So I had four chairs. I did four chairs for it, and then I had to buy another four chairs and do them. And so, again, I'm not sure why you're not crafty. Because yeah. implies- the definition of crafty has to do with volume. I don't know why volume... I think crafty to me is somebody who spends time doing it and I don't rather than the ability to do it. So how did you do those chairs? Like I know time is technically an illusion as I say, it is a joking metaphysical way, but didn't you spend time doing the chairs? So, so that was when we were between houses. Yes. I did. Yeah, so I think crafty people, I think of as people who um, spend every minute they have crafting and I would like to do that. So I don't but- need, as an insult, I don't do it because I don't have time. But you did take time to do I, it. Um, we needed the chair. So I still don't understand why you don't consider yourself crafty. <laughs> so I think crafty is, I'm talking about crafty as like a occupation and I don't have the time. I don't mean I don't have the ability to be crafty. I didn't mean that when I say I'm not crafty. I know, but I'm just, it's just interesting how we throw these 
um, parameters, expectations on it within. So you have a definition and within it comes expectations or expectations on top of the definition. When, when I'm sitting here, who is someone who I am not a visual artist, I'll say it that way. So I don't create the things I create with my hands are usually words, right? So I don't like I'm learning and food. I was going to say food. I yeah, I, I wouldn't to upholster a chair like the way you've done or to create the things you've created to me. I'm like in awe of like Brad is a painter and a, and a potter and he's done some sculpting and like that to me, I'm in awe of that stuff. And so it's interesting to me that I see all the that stuff that you've done, that you've created, that you've crafted. See, there's a snobbery in there as well. I wouldn't consider my chairs crafty. Crafty to me is like knickknacks. So there is, again, an implicit snobbery in there. Yeah. Which isn't very fun. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. That's fine. I just am like, it's just interesting. I just want the, our fabulous viewers to keep, not necessarily for your perspective, but just for their own, that, you know, there is no definition of time technically for crafting. Yeah. This is crafting. Hang on. I'm just have to show myself. Wow. Wait, that's where your guide, who's the guide that shows up in your clock that we haven't heard in a long time. Who, wait, you got cut out, your audio cut out. Aaron? Aaron, yeah. I haven't heard him in a while. But you put, so you so you took an old clock and you like put newspaper print over it. For those of you who couldn't see, she showed me her wall hanging clock and she's great. It's like decoupage or something, right? I think that's what it's called, yes. So it's yeah. an old fashioned, um, I forgot we got a podcast. Um <laughs> It's an old-fashioned chiming clock with a pendulum and everything. Um, when we moved into the cottage in Watergate, the house I was at Cottage Justin before, which laughed so much, she had collected clocks. And when the day that they she left, we had about, I don't know, 10 feet of snow. I mean, it was like the whole of the world ground to a halt in Scotland. Um, and on top of the sort of cupboards built-in cupboards in the in the in the bit the extension but this co- old cottage on top of them that she'd left all her clocks um and when I found them I'd sort of got in touch with her and and they just said just bin them I didn't want to and that was one of the ones that I found in boxes of stuff that I did and and it's covered in I had to buy news old newspaper because <laughs> it's really hard to get things like that these days um, and I covered it and it but the glass as well I don't know if you saw in the glass my sister told me about that we I smashed it by mistake can't remember how um, and it's a Japanese art where they take things that are broken put them together and cover it in, and then they put gold gold along mm-hmm. the cracks when they repair it so I did that with that oh cool yeah so is that me I suppose it's a bit crafty isn't it it's very craft. And I, I love, so I love crafters because of Brad being an artist. His mother was an artist. Brad's ex-wife creates jewelry. Like there's all, there's a lot of creativity around me now in this part of this chapter of this incarnation of this life. So I love a good craft fair. And where we used to live in Wisconsin, the company that we worked for actually at holiday time did an enormous craft fair. And it was, and it was a juried show and you had to, 
be allowed, you had to apply to, to be an exhibitor there. And some of the things that were, were just amazing. So I love a good craft fair because it's just amazing to me what people find. And even in Alaska, like when we lived there, you would go to a craft fair and it'd be like, you know, 10 people who all shoot the Aurora or all shoot, you know, wildlife, but everything is just so amazing. It doesn't matter to me that, you know, you've got the same genre, who cares? Everybody's got a different view of it. So, so I humbly think that you're crafty in all. I, do you know what? I really want to find something that I haven't yet to find something that blows my mind in terms of the passion. Cause I can enjoy the chairs, but I'm like, fuck's sake, I need another four. So I had to, I bought wooden chairs with just so just to see, cause they had been fully upholstered chairs. And the reason I did it was not because, oh, I want really funky chairs, but more because um, I wasn't that keen on the the ones we had, you know what I mean? And I didn't want to have to buy new ones. And yeah. then I got into it. But actually, that what I did, that's actually really time consuming because I basically unpicked all the clothes. I bought lots of clothes in, in charity shops. You have to unpick the clothes, but you have to find things that like fit the way it fits. And then it's just hot gluing, which is great. Great fun. Yeah time-consuming and I thought you know Gary's like why don't you make a living doing that and I'm like well who's going to pay 200 pounds for a chair because that's what it would cost well because it's a lot of people a lot of work I don't know I know there's all look at all that bravery opportunity within that not good enough because who would pay 200 pounds for a chair a lot of people I don't know I I do I mean I watch I watch what people spend for stuff here and I'm just like, it wouldn't be what I would do, but that's, it doesn't have to be what I, but it's like, I can see a lot of people, you know, spending lots of money on something that you're like, hmm, really? I could do that. But yeah. So no, there's, oppor- see, there's still bravery opportunities there for you, Kate. <laughs> but also I see the danger in that again is as soon as you're doing it to make money, it's different. You should be doing it because you love doing it. Yeah, no, I don't disagree. I think you should do it to to love what you're doing. And then if you decide to share it with the world and allow the world to share its value, you know, with you and accepting the value, I think that's totally fine. Agreed. Nothing I, I got quite bored. That's doing them like it became a chore. Um, and that's what I mean. I really want to find a craft that you can't, you know, because of people that I read about, you know, they can't sit in their hands. They can't wait to get back to their rooms to 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 do more crafting I mean I've met some amazing people are just totally obsessed with what they do and I would like to find that passion there's a meme on Instagram right now that's going around or a soundtrack and it's like no passion more passion more work more work more footwork more footwork (laughs) or something like that and it's I don't know it's cute so when you say passion it keeps bringing up this little soundtrack that's on instagram so anyway yeah well so do we think we've we've worked bravery i think we've got so bravery as far as not good enough you know to me i guess to summarize it it's when my not good enough is showing up you know bravery can either help me power through bravery can be a flag just to say oh look hey there's you know do we want to be brave here do we not want to be like what is going on here um yeah and I think bravery can show up in a lot of different forms so those were ours right or some of ours they'll say some of ours Mm -hmm. and if 
but I would love to hear, or I know we would love to hear from other people who've listened to this and are like, hmm, bravery, hadn't thought about that a little bit. And how does bravery show up for you when, and how can you ladder it back to it's your negative belief of not good enough? If also it shows up for you're not worthy or it shows up for you're not lovable, as we've talked about in the previous two weeks, still let us know that too. We're, you know, this is just exploration of being human through this. So right now. Actually, when you say that, it makes me realize that whenever you feel you need to be brave, you're actually pushing through something, aren't you? And mm-hmm. that's actually worth looking at because why? Why are you doing something that requires bravery to do it? Mm-hmm. We do, like you say, it's 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 a sign that you're pushing through. And you know, it's always worth examining why why do I need to push through this? Could I let this go? Could I do something different? Mm-hmm. And I would even say that if, like, if somebody compliments you on, wow, you're brave to be doing that, and to you it feels second nature, then honor that about yourself as well. You know, that's that's wonderful. And that's just enough that, you know, take the compliment, basically. Take that as the honoring statement it's meant to be. So, cool. All right. So should we wrap it up for this week? That's what I'm thinking. Yes. And just to say, I think it highly unlikely I'll get this done in time. Um, but if I do, then then we will have a what two week break after this. Mm-hmm. Or you'll have had a two week break and Julie would have told will have told you on Facebook that I actually didn't get to it in time. But yeah. either way, we're having a break or we'll have had a break for two weeks because I'm away. Yes. Yeah. So just know that if you missed an episode, you think you've missed an episode, it's just because Kate had some travels and that's all good for her. So anyway, so thank you so much for joining us this week for Making Light to Humans Being. I'm Julie Heert. As always with me is Kate Fago, Sally, her cat around her. Somewhere here at my feet is Lucas, my dog always showing up. Um, If you have any comments or questions, please let us know. We totally would love to hear you, hear from you. You can please subscribe here to us on YouTube. You can also now follow us on Apple Podcast, Spotify, Google Play. I'm going to miss all the ones that you can find us on a variety of different channels now. So please like and subscribe on whatever platform you prefer. We are so happy that you are here. Uh, And we will see you next week or next time, I should say, next time when we continue um, October's theme of bravery as a workaround. And next time we're going to look at it through the lens of the negative belief of not feeling safe, secure or protected. So for now, I'm Julie Heert, Kate Fago. We are making light to humans being. See you soon and take good care of yourself.